Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a vodcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very senior professional and an executive coach, Mr. Hari Prakash. Hari, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. Uh, thank you. Hari is a management consultant and an executive coach. He's the former CEO of GP Petroleum Limited in India, and he's a certified independent director. So Hari, today we'll talk about uh, your avatar as an executive coach. Tell me what made you become a coach after the corporate sector? Uh, well, uh, I would say it evolved over time. Uh, I generally like to help people and work in teams. It's been uh, with me for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And uh, more recently, I joined Rotary for community service. And I must say it was an eye opener mm -hmm. when I realized that I could impact the lives of people, even in a small way. You know? uh, I also got designated as a mentor uh, when I was working uh, in, my, in a global organization uh, while I was in China and in Singapore mm -hmm. as a mentor and trying to help uh, aspiring young executives. During this time, I was also exposed to professional coaching. Mm -hmm. And I must say that uh, the Coaching Foundation of India, uh, where I had my postgraduate uh, degree as well for coaching, uh, played a huge uh, role in uh, shaping what coaching can uh, look like. Now I enjoy coaching and uh, making a positive impact to people's lives. Wonderful. So, you know, um, when I was a young manager in, in the early 80s, uh, coaching and mentoring was done either by a family elder or by a senior colleague who took a liking for you. That's right. What has made coaching so important in our lives that people are now willing to pay for it? Well, that's, uh, that's a pretty good uh, question in the sense that, uh, particularly in the context in India, mm -hmm. we still have a lot of uh, coach and mentor within the family, and we still rely on it, rightfully right. so. Um, but over a period of time, what has happened, the complexities of the world have developed so much. People uh, are uh, working in very different and difficult situations. Uh, and coaching basically is unlocking a person's potential to maximize their own performance. That's essential of uh, coaching. Uh, not everybody has the capability to help somebody work at a professional level mm -hmm. to unlock their potential. Uh, Coaching is basically helping them rather than teaching them. So that's where you find the difference of coaching. Uh, in coaching, you focus on the strengths and you leave alone the mistakes and failures or the self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm often reminded of the quote by Sir John Whitmore where he said, uh, to get the best out of people, we first need to believe the best is already there in it. Mm -hmm. I think this is where our family members, when they took the role of coach or a mentor, always believe that we are the best. Mm -hmm. uh, to get that from an external person, it may not happen on its own. So that's how the whole evolution of a coach and a professional coach came in, where people are trained and people also come in with the uh, mindset that I'm not here to tell you what to do, mm -hmm. but I can possibly help you explore uh, your own potential. Mm. And we could possibly mutually work out as how we take it forward. Okay. So let me let me come to the second part of your question. That was why is it so relevant in the world now? Mm. Yeah, it's uh, see people are evolving and adapting to various situations. 
the world has become a little bit more complex than before, or at least we perceive that way. And not everybody has the capability to match that complexities. Uh, different folks need different strokes. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of this book, uh, Fair Isn't Always Equal by Rick Bommelli. If you, haven't re- if you haven't read that, please do take time to read. Sure. Uh, it's essentially uh, assessing and grading in differentiated classrooms. Mm-hmm. But what has a classroom got to do here? Uh, you know, when I read that, uh, it, uh, it gives a lot of insights on why people need help uh, to unlock their own potential without being judgmental. You know, in a classroom, the children are of different grades and uh, different capabilities, but the exam is same. It isn't fair to judge everybody at the same level. Mm. Uh, so the book explains, and in some uh, international schools, they try to use that as a form of uh, helping children. And I feel even in a professional uh, level, people need that sort of a differentiated help and support. Mm. So that's where I feel um, there are many types of coaching, like life coaching, business coaching, executive coaching, and so on. Mm. Uh, that's how the whole evaluation came uh, for the world. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, this is probably a good time to ask you, what is the difference between coaching and mentoring? This is one of the most uh, often asked uh, uh-huh. questions. Uh, see, mentoring is uh, based on, it's a need-based mm. and often very informal. Mm. Uh, the mentoring takes uh, the focus on reflections and guidance. Mm. Uh, you possibly pass on wisdom and uh, sometimes even uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also focuses on a role model. I mean, you could be a role model or you could be inspirational and you could be a mentor to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in coaching, uh, it's a process which occurs uh, on a professional level. It occurs in the context of work where we are focusing on effective performance. So coaching is more uh, structured, I would say. It's measurable. And the emphasis is on personal changes through being more self-aware and self-reflections. So here the coach does not give the solution on a platter. Uh, Solutions are uh, more explored and uh, mutually discovered. So this is where I find the difference. And, and thanks to CFI for helping me to uh, get this description and ingrained in my mind. Uh, but uh, your question has got a big relevance that mm-hmm. very often you will find uh, a little bit of an overlap or a merging of coaching and mentoring mm-hmm. over a period of time. So it can happen, but you ought to be very clear as to what is the objective with which you are engaging a professional coaching side. Mm. Very interesting. So my next question to you is uh, that in today's world, which is highly competitive, very stressful, a lot of challenges, who should look for a coach? Uh, the answer is very simple. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm actually borrowing the words of uh, Bill Gates. Uh, he said, everyone needs a coach. Mm-hmm. It does not matter whether you're a sports person or an executive or a family man. Uh, we all need feedback, don't we? And uh, that's how we improve. So the simple answer to your question is everybody needs a coach. The question always just comes in mind is, is this the right time? Or am I committed to getting into a coaching assignment? Mm. Is always the question. But the short answer is everybody needs a coach. Okay. And uh, how long should the association be? Well, uh, the typical coaching assignment uh, generally is about eight to nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But in some cases, I've seen uh, companies or executives seek to be associated for a little bit more time. Mm. And I would say it's more like a support mechanism to ensure that the change is sustainable. Okay. So, but that's how, and uh, later on, people do want to uh, engage in certain other aspects or graduate to a mentoring mm. sort of a role. Mm-hmm. But typically, I would say eight to nine months is good enough. Okay. And, you know, we often talk about uh, as a coach deciding who to take as a coachee. Okay. My question to you is how does the coachee evaluate that I have a good coach? That's uh, straight back on to the subject of a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, the, considering whether you are a good or not so good coach is very judgmental. And I wouldn't really want to describe that part of it. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is uh, how do we really say whether our coaching is effective or not? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the fundamental uh, trigger is the first few meetings between a coachee and a coach. Mm-hmm. And during that time, the coachee decides whether I can trust in this person as a coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, am I committed to take on to the actions what we will mutually agree? Mm-hmm. And once this equation is set up in the first couple of meetings, mm-hmm. most of the coaching assignments are taken to a positive uh, what you call trajectory. Um, we can the, the result of it, however, people still want to see whether are you going with a good coach or what is it? Uh, people do ask that question. Hmm. Uh, we can see the positive impact through the eyes of the coachee. Okay. Do they feel empowered? Do they see a positive, differ- positive difference in themselves mm-hmm. uh, after engaging in a coaching session? Mm-hmm. Are they more aware of their strengths Sometimes what happens, you have certain strengths, but you don't use them. Mm. I mean, there are, there are psychometric analysis like 24 via or uh, even through 360, you get some feedback. Mm-hmm. And uh, people realize they have the strength, but they hardly use it. Now, if you can trigger them to use those strengths, mm-hmm. uh, then you can also get a perception whether the coachee is feeling that within himself or herself, mm-hmm. they are able to use that. And most important is getting out of the self-limiting beliefs. Oh, I want to emphasize here, uh, this becomes the, uh, what do you call, uh, milestone of a successful coaching engagement. Mm-hmm. If the coach is able to help the coachee, uh, what do you call, understand what are his or her self-limiting beliefs and help him get over it through the strengths, that would be a factor it should help both ways. Fascinating. So uh, some of these factors are to perceive whether a coaching engagement has been effective or not. Okay. And, uh, you know, based on all your experience, is there a difference in coaching, say, uh, the CEO of a company and uh, someone in middle management? Yes, th- there, is a, there is a difference, uh, of course. And it depends also on the culture uh, of the various countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... Um, the hierarchy is very different in India or Australia mm-hmm. or uh, in Japan, Thailand, for example. Um, and I had the opportunity to work in many of these countries uh, when I was the head of Asia Pacific with uh, a global organization called BP Castrol. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the opportunity to lead business in China, Japan, Korea, and also um, in Southeast Asia. So I, I, I really understood and uh, really was happy to understand many of these cultures and how we manage them. So the, the difference, culture is one part of it, of the hierarchy. But more importantly, a senior or a CEO or a leader, when you engage in a coaching, 
the biggest difference is the mindset between a senior and the not so senior uh, people where there is an aspiration for change a senior leader or a ceo could believe that he has already achieved a lot and rightfully so they have already achieved they come up to where they are seen this done that and might think what more is there for me to learn through a coaching session correct the the reality strikes when you do a little bit of a psychometric exercises mm-hmm. also a 360 feedback and then are they ready to see the feedback wherein uh, like the johari window uh, you know what you know but what others perceive about you and you really do not know that that's the time when they realize there is another perspective of this person of the senior ceo mm-hmm. and if he's really interested in transforming himself he would definitely uh, want to do a coaching to improve himself okay. compared to that the emerging leaders i would say are aspirational willing to change and they are looking forward to the next level mm-hmm. and they feel this could help them go to the next mile so this is a difference i have seen uh, there's nothing good or wrong but but i think it's a mindset and uh, possibly the willingness to look further fantastic so hari now let's move to the next segment of our conversation which are where you know you in your avatar as an independent director uh in today's world where independent directors have the same fiduciary responsibility as that of an executive director mm-hmm. what do you look for before accepting a board position Good. so uh today as you know the in indian context or even global context in india at least the uh, minister of corporate affairs and the sebi have been mandating a lot of uh, regulations and it keeps changing mm-hmm. the, the fundamental uh, objective is to bring in transparency at corporate governance mm-hmm. now when i'm looking at a board position uh, what do i look at uh, company performance corporate governance and what is it you can bring on to the table let's not forget that uh, what is it you will add value to the whole uh, while being an independent director you are not expected to do a day to day operational work in that company right. mm. but your primary role becomes um, the pillar of corporate governance mm. so uh, the transparency and how well you are able to ask the right questions mm. is more important in a board and these are things i would look for before uh, looking at a board position so there have been you know several instances of very high profile companies making a lot of money um you know where there have been challenges of various kinds and then the independent directors have run into problems so my question is how do you determine before joining a board what is the level of tra- transparency and what is the degree of corporate governance so the first thing is let us all uh, agree that there is a high level of accountability correct when you accept a role of independent director mm. now over a period of time uh, the accountability also comes uh, with a certain responsibility what you have to deliver mm-hmm. um, but very often what has happened in the past is uh, people do not have the wherewithal or uh, the authority to question or sometimes uh, the minority stakeholders are left behind mm-hmm. in 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 an, in an institution where the Uh, majority stakeholders can do whatever they want mm-hmm. and the board becomes a rubber stamp now with the current changes that's happening there is a lot more of authority and transparency coming in okay um so as an independent director i would uh, if i were to join a company 
I would first look at the history of corporate governance. Mm-hmm. I would look at the existing structure, board structure. And I would, I would look at the uh, performance of the company. Mm-hmm. Now, based on this, uh, I would take a decision whether to accept an invitation or approach them that I'm willing to be part of this board. Okay. Once you're signed up, this is where the uh, whole important issue comes. Once you're signed up, you have the responsibility as an independent director to ask the right questions at the right time mm-hmm. so that corporate governance is ensured. Uh, if you do not ask the question and keep quiet, mm-hmm. that also is wrong. Uh, in a, I mean, uh, you, you cannot keep quiet when you see something wrong is happening. At least you need to raise the question whether it gets impacted or not. You are expected to raise it at the right time. I think this is where uh, if you if you look at the most of the areas where uh, they are advising independent directors mm-hmm. uh, are to be aware of what's happening and also ask the right questions the right time for the benefit of the minority shareholders as well. Okay. Very interesting. So, Hari, I'm now going to move to the last segment of our conversation. Uh, all our viewers and listeners love to get to know our guest a little better. Um I have time for two or three questions. Uh, my first question to you is as a senior corporate leader, as a coach, as an independent director, what are some of the core values you believe in? Well, it's very simple. Over a period of time as an executive and as a senior management and when I'm on the board uh, of a listed entity, it has been integrity and commitment. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, these are two things where we just cannot compromise mm-hmm. and uh, uh, which I believe as the core values. And later, the other addendum comes in where uh, you believe in a safety culture, which is more of a responsibility for the people, mm-hmm. uh, which is very important to take care of. And uh, I'm really happy to see that in India, the, the culture of safety awareness is building up rapidly and people are also taking up. But I, I learned it the hard way mm-hmm. and I got exposed uh, uh, to many of the situations which helped me learn. Um, and I believe uh, that's the right way to go to have more safety awareness mm-hmm. in addition to the ethics, integrity, and commitment. Okay. And uh, my next question is that, you know, after a successful career and doing so many different things, from where you stand today, what does success mean to Hari? For me, uh, success has always meant uh, what is the legacy I leave behind? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite happy to say that uh, whichever organization I've worked and I left, mm-hmm. um, I held the bridges firm. Now the bridges are burnt. Mm-hmm. So, and also, uh, there is always a feeling of some people in each organization who feel I made a difference to them mm-hmm. uh, in a very positive way. So, a legacy left behind and also being regarded as a good human being is what I feel success means to me. Okay. And, and uh, I would strive for that. Okay, wonderful. And a follow-up question to success is who or what inspires you? Uh, okay, so uh, my, my parents have been the source of inspiration um, over a very long period of time. Uh, they have been my best uh, motivators, mm-hmm. uh, full of positivity, commitment, and uh, right from early age on, I think that's been a lasting impact on me. Mm-hmm. Those values have shaped my outlook. Okay. Um, the other uh, uh, person who inspired me is Swami Vivekananda. Mm-hmm. And I often recollect his words which said, uh, you are the creator of your own destiny. Mm-hmm. 
So every time uh, I find myself in a good position, I reflect on that. When I'm finding myself in a challenging situation, uh, I tell that perhaps that's what I was uh, working forward to. And then I got into that position. Mm. And if I need to change my destiny, it's me who has to work and find a way for it. Mm. Very interesting. And my last question to you, and this is for all the people who will listen to our conversation. And as I mentioned, a very large number of them are very young. What would your advice be to a young individual starting off on her or his career in the corporate world? Okay, good. So uh, before I come to the answer directly, I must say that uh, the, the biggest learning which leads you to answer such, uh, such a question would be, uh, are you willing to make mistakes? Are you willing to learn from your mistakes? And uh, I must say that I had a fair share of mistakes in my life, uh, right. and, uh, but nothing very catastrophic. But each one of them helped me to learn. My resolve uh, became stronger and I could learn from that. Uh, so uh, if I were to uh, look at the future uh, for the young aspiring uh, individuals, mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see the opportunities that are opening up uh, for the young generation today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you call them Gen Z or the millennials. Of course, mm-hmm. millennials are now you classify them in the age group of 35 to 40 and the Gen Z, they come sometime at the age of 18 to 20. And these are the very young CEOs who are going to be. You know, um, the, I would uh, tell them, I would remind them to read the book uh, by Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Very often a word comes there. Uh, if you have a dream and tell the world, the whole universe will conspire to make it happen. Wow. Now, it's a very powerful word, sure. which says that uh, in a nutshell, be bold to tell your dream and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. I really wish them all the uh, best wishes and luck for them to succeed. Wonderful. Hari, uh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for talking to me so much about coaching and your role as an independent director, for that matter, your advice to independent directors and to young people. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you. Pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.